1: Hey everybody, welcome in. Friday edition of the show as we head into uh, a game day weekend. Tomorrow the Cats play LSU, uh, 6 o'clock Eastern time at Rupp Arena as uh, Kentucky tries to shake off a streak of three consecutive losses. And we'll talk about the Cats today with Jack Givens uh, from the UK Radio Network and of course the UK legend slash Hall of Famer, uh, Mike DeCourcy. From the Sporting News uh, will join us as well as he does on Fridays, and uh, we'll talk about the Cats and College Hoops with Mike. So that's our guest lineup as we roll into the Wildcat News of the Day. We'll start with the UK women with a win last night over Auburn, 76-71 on the road. Kentucky ranked 12th in the country. Got Ryan Howard back and uh, several of her teammates who had to miss the previous game, so Ryan Howard got off to a bit of a slow start. I think had three points at halftime. Comes out strong in the second half. Finishes with 14, five boards and four assists for Kentucky. Leading scorer, though, was Blair Green. She's uh, picked it up of late with the team uh, battling some health and, and COVID issues. Uh, she has stepped up her game and had 18 last night for Kentucky. Kentucky made 10 threes in the game, 10 out of 28 From beyond the arc. Big game coming up on Sunday now. This is a rescheduled matchup with Tennessee and Knoxville. And the game will tip at 2 Eastern time. And it will be on ESPN2. So you can lead into watching the NFL playoff action by seeing if the UK women can get a big win down at Tennessee. Uh, That's one of those that, I think Tennessee is ranked again now. So that's one of those that can really boost your seeding for Selection Sunday for the UK women. Now to the Kentucky men and their matchup with LSU on Saturday. LSU is 10-3, and 5-2 and 2 in the league, coming off 30-point uh, shellacking at home from Alabama. But Alabama is just waylaying everybody right now. Um, for LSU, the straw that stirs the drink for this team right now is freshman Cameron Thomas. He has back-to-back games of 20-plus points. He's had 9 or more point games already this season so uh, the 6-4 freshmen going to clearly be the focal point of Kentucky's defensive challenge uh, Kentucky generally does well when a team leans heavily on one guy they uh, actually defended Auburn pretty well uh, in the uh, loss last Saturday when Auburn was a team that uh, relied so heavily on Sharif Cooper now for Kentucky it, it starts with just taking care of the basketball in the last forty or the last sixty minutes of game action. So you go back to halftime of the Auburn game. Uh, it was Kentucky ahead. They had struggled offensively, but at least they didn't turn it over much. And so Auburn had five points off Kentucky turnovers at halftime of that game. They had fifteen in the second half. Georgia got twenty-five on Tuesday night or Wednesday night. So in the last sixty minutes of game action the opponent has scored 40 points off Kentucky turnovers. And some of the ones on Wednesday night were just atrocious. They, just bad angle passes that are stolen and lead to a bucket. So when Kentucky's playing decent defense, at least, uh, and they did for most of the game, they broke down late, but uh, for most of the game, they're playing pretty well defensively. And if you can force the other team to go against your defense, you, you like your chances. Well, uh, you keep turning it over out in open court, you're just killing yourself. So that's what they uh, would have to start with, improving to be able to knock off LSU. As far as LSU's game, they're number two in SEC play in offensive efficiency. Defensively, they're ranked 10th in terms of uh, their defensive efficiency. Uh, They're a high... Steel team. So kind of sounds like a team that's not great defensively, but uh, gambles a lot. Not a big shot-blocking team. Kind of like Georgia. Got a lot of steals, though. They're number one in the league in stealing uh, percentage of steals in SEC play. They also do uh, a good job of getting to the line and not putting their opponent on the line a lot. So um, fouling will be an issue for uh, to watch in this game to make sure LSU doesn't rack up a bunch of points uh, at the free throw line couple of stories out of CBS, uh, one in particular that's noteworthy, multiple conference commissioners and ADs are telling CBS reporters for college basketball that they're increasingly worried about a pause for the season. There's also a second story that about a fourth of the coaches uh, are doubtful that conference tournaments will be played, kind of looking like Kentucky will need the conference tournament to have a, a shot to play its way into the NCAA. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page. That's at TomLeachKY.com. We're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. It's the Friday edition of the Leach Report. The Goose, Jack Gibbons, join us when we come right back. And Mike DeCoursey, a little bit later. It's the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. Got a new online ordering system you can check out for the curbside pickup or ordering through DoorDash
2: it's the leach report on talk radio 1080 coming up next it's kentucky sports radio with matt
1: jones welcome back into our show we go to the kentucky hotline the kentucky hotline to bring on the goose jack gibbons uh to talk a little kentucky basketball and uh, you know, it uh, just kills uh, everybody in the BBN when things aren't going well for the Cats, but nobody more so than you guys who uh, wore the uniform here. I, I work with one of them for every game, and uh, you're on uh, the uh, team with Buzz to uh, lead us into the game coverage, Goose, and uh, you guys yeah. are just living and dying with these games, aren't you?
3: Yeah, you know, it's frustrating because uh, um, we are, in our minds, <laughs> you know, it's hard to watch a game and not put ourselves in that situation from the experiences we have had. Um, and, and you want so badly to, uh, and we still think in our mind that we can step in there and help the guys to win a game. <laughs> Obviously, we can't, but, you know, we, we just want to see the guys be successful and, uh, Kentucky's doing a lot of things right now to prevent that. Uh, doing a lot of things to themselves. It's not like the opposition is doing it all to them and just beating them outright. We're beating ourselves in a lot of ways, so it is very frustrating to sit and watch that.
1: You know, we're watching. You know, we're watching the uh, practice. Yes, it was Tuesday before they left, and uh, there were a yeah. couple things we'll talk. The first one we'll talk about on the negative side, which gets to what you're saying. There's just several times where Cal stops them to chastise somebody for throwing a pass at somebody's feet, or or feeding the post in a manner that the guy, you know, has his man sealed and has to has to release to go catch the ball. And uh, their their passing was just horrendous the other
3: night. Yeah, um, a, a couple of things. Um, Number one, when you when you're talking about shooters, and uh, not just Dante, but Dante would be uh, be one, obviously. But I don't care if it's Mens, I don't care if it's Askew. A lot of being a successful shooter is where the ball is delivered to you. You want the ball. We used to say in the pocket. Now uh, you know, and you know what I'm talking about because you've been around it for a long time. You you already. Uh, prepared to shoot the ball when you ca- as soon as you catch it. Well, if you have to go down and get it, or go up high and get it, or it it just makes it hard to get a shot off, and and especially when you uh, when you're talking about a guy like Allen who has people running at it the whole time. So that's one thing. Uh, another thing, Tom, is that this late in the season. Turnovers are always uh, an important part of the game, a lack of turnovers, I should say. But it, it, that kind of takes it care of itself long before now. So you want to be talking about other things that lead to lead to getting better. Uh, right now, you're stuck on turnovers, and that should have been dealt with back in December. So it just is taking so much time in practice that Coach Calipari is not able to move to the things that are
1: really important at this time of the year. They are, uh, I just mentioned earlier, I mean, they gave up 25 points off turnovers the other night and 15 in the second half down at Auburn. And so a team that's playing, you know, they're not locking people down defensively, but uh, they're playing well enough defensively to to give themselves a good chance to win. I mean, this is a game if they cut down the turnovers, they win by 10 or 12
3: exactly uh, but but really i think their defense tom has been been pretty good and pretty consistent um i mean when you're thinking about uh, you're averaging uh what 62 63 points a game and uh and 6 7 of those games you are right there or eight of them you're right there and ready to uh, you can win it That means you're, you're holding teams down scoring and, and I say six or maybe five games that they lost. Uh, they've been close enough to win. So the defense has been good enough. It hasn't been perfect, but it's been good enough. But man, when every time you get ready to make a run, you kill the momentum with, uh, and not even turnovers that you can say, man, the defense was all up in him and it was, you know, making it. I mean, it's just, passing the ball from me to you tom so it's those kind of mistakes that just take the air right out of the team and now you're thinking man another turnover instead of man a pass that leads to a basket
1: yeah it's just uh, just deflating now the other thing uh, we saw when we were watching practice on tuesday was how well brandon boston played in at practice and uh it carried over to uh, this game as he played as well as he's played in, in quite a while. Uh, There's one time he curled off a, a screen and uh, drove down the lane and just threw down a one handed dunk over a couple of guys. Uh, and I know, I think you turned to me and said, where's that been? Uh, it wasn't the little, you know, scoop shot or avoiding contact. So maybe he's finally getting it in terms of how he needs to play.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, it, that guy is amazing to me in that he's, all of the stuff we've heard and the negativity and all the uh, attacks on social media all, and losing the uh, position and, and coming off the bench, all of that would lead to a guy uh, pouting and his head down, but he goes and has his best game. Uh, i got to give him a lot of credit for that. I mean, it, it just tells me the guy is focused, the guy is working hard, he wants to be better and I said the same thing when he dunked that ball. I said, man, where's that been? <laughs> uh, you know, the real issue with going in there with the dipsy do and the, you know, is no referee is going to bail you out when you go in like that and put you on the free-throw line. But when you go in and try to dunk on somebody, if there's contact, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. So I'm with you. I hope he's learning.
1: Jack, appreciate the time. Uh, we'll catch you and uh, Buzz on the Countdown to Tip-Off tomorrow. Have a good day. Thanks. Appreciate That's the it. Goose, U.K. Hall of Famer Jack Givens. Uh, we'll come back. Uh, Chris Blair, who's going to join us yesterday, got called into a meeting. He's going to join us for a quick scouting report on LSU. And then Mike DeCorsi in the second half of the Leach Report Radio Network.
2: You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080
3: and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats.
1: Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com online. Chris Blair joins us. He's the radio play-by-play voice for the LSU Tigers. Uh, Chris, uh, the Tigers got uh, steamrolled by Alabama, but that's happening to about everybody in the league right now. So uh, are (laughs) you confident they'll bounce back? Well, you know, you you hope they're going to bounce back, Tom. Good to visit with you. Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, Alabama's kind of rolling through everybody at this point, and uh, the exhibition they put on Tuesday night here in Baton Rouge is one that you know, I haven't seen very often. In fact, John Brady, former coach, does the games with me. He said in 41 years, that first half, 41 years of him coaching, in that first half, the shots they knocked down uh, just time and time again was something he'd never seen before. So, uh, you know, Will Wade told us after the game they were not going to burn the tape, uh, but they were going to file the tape away. they got to take on Alabama and Tuscaloosa in two weeks, so they'll revisit that then. But he said, we've got work to do, put it behind us. It's one loss. It's, it's one game, and you got to get ready to take on uh, what he imagines will be a pretty uh, fired-up and angry Wildcat club and rough Saturday.
1: Uh, pretty sure that uh, Kentucky won't make the 23-3s that Alabama did on Tuesday <laughs> night. I think I'm safe in making that prediction. Uh, tell me about Cameron Thomas, uh, the freshman who's playing so well.
2: Well, he's uh, he's an incredible uh, student-athlete. I mean, he's just a, a natural-born scorer. Um, you know, I think what, what Cam is going through now, which comes as no surprise, I mean, here's a kid that stepped on the floor in his first game at this level uh, and had a 20-plus point performance. He's had 10 of those so far this year. Um, but teams obviously now game plan for him, and you've certainly seen it over the last four or five games. In fact, his last four games only shooting 33% from the field, uh, and 17% from beyond the arc, and uh, he's a much better shooter than that. But defenses are keen in on him. Um, you know, and I think one of the things in his maturity he's going to have to find is they're dedicating guys sometimes, too, uh, to be there when he catches the basketball. And he just is so determined to shoot, and he's had so much success early. He's got to find a way uh, to pass the ball because right now teams aren't respecting him to give up the basketball so they're they're guarding to defend the shot uh and it certainly has affected uh his field goal percentage now the other side to that and i asked coach wade about it this week he's still getting 20 plus points because he's going to the line 10 12 13 14 times and he's shooting right at 92 percent for the year so he's still getting his points but i think it affects the flow of the game offensively you know when his field goal shots are, are, are not going in
1: Uh, Just looking at at numbers, uh, it looks like uh, defensively LSU's a team that's uh, not going to – they're going to get more steals, hurt you with more steals than block shots. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I think they're more of a a disruptive defense than they are a a smothering defense. You know, I look at a team like Kentucky and and, and Alabama, uh, you know, as teams that that really just take away the things you want to do. LSU is more of a disruptive – they're rangy they're athletic, uh, they get a lot of ball deflections, and to your point, they get a lot of steals. Uh, but one of the things they do not do very well on defense is keep players in front of them. I mean, basically, Georgia was able to get to the paint at will. South Carolina in that close game got to the paint at will. And then a lot of those 23 three-pointers from Alabama came from paint touch threes, uh, because they were able to blow by uh, the backcourt for LSU and get into the paint. And you know, when you have a team that uh, has the size in the front line that Kentucky has. That has to be a concern, uh, because a lot of, th- a lot of good things happen. You know, Coach Wade talks about it all the time on offense or defense. Basketball doesn't start at the college level until you get to the lane. You can get to the rim, you can get to the line, or you can get an inside outside three. Um, so that's really been the Achilles heel for this LSU defense. Their numbers overall take away that Alabama game have been pretty good field goal percentage defense and three points percentage defense um but when teams can get to the paint a lot of good things happen for them and that's i gotta believe is the big concern not only saturday but for the rest of the year until they can improve
1: this and it's been a uh, it's going be an interesting matchup because that's been a uh, concern for kentucky on the offensive end of not being able to get by their man uh, often enough and, and put stress on the defense so uh sounds like whoever ends up on the better end of that spectrum is probably going to win uh tomorrow night chris thank you for the time
2: no problem thank you tom take that's, care
1: that's chris blair uh unfortunately don't get to say i'll see you in lexington tomorrow because uh, none of us are traveling this season hopefully we'll get to by the time we uh, get to the conference tournament we're halfway home on this edition of the leech report we're coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios. When we come back, we'll chat with Mike deCourcy from the Sporting News. It is the Leach Report Radio Network, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington.
2: Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show
1: updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Second half of the Leach Report for a Friday. We go back to the com hotline. And around this time on Fridays, we bring in Mike deCourcy from SportingNews.com, uh, Big Ten Network, and he's also the bracket analyst for Fox Sports College basketball coverage. We'll start with uh, Kentucky, Mike. You've covered John Calipari for uh, a long time. This is about as frustrated as, as I've uh, seen him trying to find a way to push the right buttons for this team.
0: Yeah, it and understandably, it's it's been a very difficult season, and they've been so close on so many occasions. That's maybe the most frustrating thing for everyone involved is that they 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 have they are not good. I mean, in in the traditional sense, you don't lose four games, uh, uh, you don't win four games out of thirteen and say you're good. But they're not bad. I mean, they, they have had so many close calls: Kansas, Notre Dame, uh, Louisville. Uh, Obviously, the Georgia game uh, those games uh, are all basically one possession games and if you win even half of them it, you're you're in certainly a more presentable shape than now and, and so it's it's been very difficult for him and I, I think it, it you you compound that circumstance with the challenges that every basketball program, every college basketball program and really every college athletic team is facing it, that that either have competed in the football case or are competing, it's really challenging to go through that. And the, even the teams that are winning a lot are, are struggling with that. And for the teams that are not, it's it's that much more difficult.
1: You know, Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, all uh, I think the stat was all out of the top 25 in the AP poll for the first time since 61. Uh, is this just an, an outlier year, or is there... Some something that's that's changing that these programs will have to adapt to.
0: I think it's an outlier because don't forget, and, and it's easy to forget because it all seems like a million years ago. But the, the Wildcats won the SEC by three games in in twenty nineteen twenty, and because there was no NCAA tournament, a lot of people were acting like the season never happened. It, it did happen. I watched a lot of it. Uh, it, it it happened and. Kentucky was terrific, and I think they would have done very well in the NCAA tournament if there had been one. I mean, there's no way to tell, but their tradition had been, and they certainly were built to succeed in the NCAA tournament. And that's one of the things that, to me, is, is laughable about the the sudden assertion that Kentucky runs an antiquated offense. and and they don't understand the value of the three-point goal. And it's like, where did Emmanuel quickly come from? I mean, was he, like, did that just, again, because he didn't play any NCAA tournament last year, it didn't happen. He was the SEC player of the year. And he was the SEC player of the year because he made deep shots. And Kentucky was the champion of the league by three games because they had a backcourt that completely dominated the opposition, especially in the final Stretch of the regular season, I did a, I did a, uh, and, and the final stretch of games as well. I did a piece, probably about a week, ten days before the final regular season game, uh, and that 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 team. I went back and broke down how they dominated the last eight minutes of every game they played in that stretch, with the exception, obviously, of the Tennessee game. It's, a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a systemic problem. It's 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 a personnel problem, and it, and it's a and it's a circumstance problem. Personnel not quite good enough uh, relatively uh, to be successful, really not good enough to be successful in these circumstances with the preseason prep truncated, with the schedule abbreviated, uh, with with the schedule the way it was designed by Cal, too difficult. And, and all that has combined to put them in this circumstance and can... In, in Dukes' situation, there are similar factors in terms of the truncated schedule and, and the, the, the fact that you don't play as many bye games and, and all of that. And then, but Dukes has been complicated more so by uh, the COVID issues, whether they were within their own program or within other programs more specifically. Uh, they haven't been able to get on the floor as much as some teams, and that's limited their ability to improve. And Carolina's situation is is really a two-year ongoing thing right now. They have not recruited well on the perimeter. Uh, I shouldn't say that. They have not recruited well on the wings. They've they've recruited a, a couple of good point guards in succession, but their wing play has just not been good enough. They've got good big guys. They just don't have good enough wings, and they have to address that. I'm sure Roy will. They usually do things right down there. Uh, they've gotten it, it into a, a you know one bad situation they'll still probably make the tournament and maybe they'll be dangerous because their point guard is young and, and will approve and their big guys are very good and, and will be difficult for teams to deal with
1: you look at uh, Kentucky's schedule and the um, the one outlier the biggest outlier is that Florida game. Uh, when like, a lot of us thought, okay, maybe they had a breakthrough, they win seventy-six to fifty-eight. You look at the box; they had eighteen assists, and they and the four games they won, they had eighteen or more assists in three of them. Uh, most of the losses, uh, they had eight or fewer assists. What's the the disconnect between uh, what we saw when we saw them at their best, and when we see them most of the rest of the time?
0: Yeah, I think I think one thing is that they can't afford. The problem, one of the problems they have is that they can't really afford for particular players to have bad nights. They just don't have, they don't have that firepower that says, okay, if our point guard has a bad night, I mean, uh, a year ago, Ashton had some problems at the end, but they were able to over, and, and was absent for one game, and they were able to overcome them because they had firepower in terms of uh, fire you know, firepower at both ends in terms of Nick, uh, and they were so they were able to overcome. But Devin Askew having a game like he did at Georgia—if he's ordinary, he, ordinary Devin, which is still a work in progress—if he's ordinary, they win fairly, you know, reasonably, comfortably, four or five points, whatever. Uh, but he had he had his worst game since he became a dependable player. I mean that's a strange phrasing, but it, the start of the year really struggled, and then eventually, after three, four, five games, whatever it was, he started to play reasonably well, and in some, some instances was very good. It, that game, the Wednesday game, was a disaster for him. I mean, he couldn't make a shot, uh, couldn't make a layup, couldn't make a, you know, miss free throws, uh, and turned the ball over in, in very curious ways. And they just, they can't, they don't have another answer for that, especially at that position. If, they, if Olivier has one of the nights he's had, they've won on some of those he was not great, but he was reasonably good against Georgia. They, they have other guys they can at least put out there and survive. But if Devin plays the way he did, they really struggle to, to, to function. And, and he, was, he was very poor. And, and, and I'm not going to bury him because he had a bad game. Guys have bad games. It's just that for this team, it's really hard to afford that.
1: Chat with Mike DeCoursey from SportingNews.com at TSN Mike on Twitter. We'll continue after this break. It's the Leach Report Radio Network.
2: This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers.
1: It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. You can follow Mike DeCoursey on Twitter at TSN Mike. And if you do... Be prepared that uh, if you post a strong opinion, you may get one back. Such as someone yesterday <laughs> suggesting that the Foo Fighters might be the most uncool band ever, and you responded, "This is blasphemy."
0: It is. I love the Foo Fighters,
1: and maybe that
0: makes them uncool because I'm not in—you know—I'm not a teenager. But then again, neither is Dave Cole. I—I I, just—I don't know how. Like, how good do you have to be before people don't hate on you? Maybe Rolling Stones good. Um, I don't know. But uh, they're, they're, he's a great rock singer. They write great songs. They play well. Uh, they, 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 they have a, a, a great band personality. As a matter of fact, um, within the last two weeks, uh, they did an anniversary show for the Foo Fighters on, on Austin City Limits. And that went 2015. I mean, they're maybe the, the biggest or second biggest rock band in the world, and they go and do a PBS TV show at... Uh, uh, you know, and do an hour set for them that they don't make much money off of, but they do it out of respect for the show and, and what it's meant to music. And I don't know what much more. What more do you have to do to get away from hate like that? I don't know.
1: Yeah, this this day and time, um, hate too to always seems to be the the, the default option, <laughs> especially when there is some success. So. um Let's go to uh, one of your roles is with Fox Sports to do the bracket analysis. And uh, one of the, I think, uh, the pieces of conventional wisdom for this season is that the teams that have more experience have uh, had a big advantage in this season that is so unusual with, you know, uh, the coronavirus issues and uh, lack of team building opportunities. You know, Kentucky's a a team that that falls into that category. So the teams that have uh, the experience have, an edge. Now, last night we see Indiana go in and win at number four Iowa by twelve. We've seen just in the SEC, just some you know crazy results where you know a very good Tennessee team gets uh, blown out by uh, a Florida team that Kentucky blew out. So, is this going to be a more reliable, predictable NCAA tournament because of the edge to teams with more experience, or is it going to be as crazy as some of these in-season results are indicating?
0: I think I, I, I have to think it'll be the latter. Now, I mean that isn't to say that we won't still have Gonzaga Baylor playing the title game. I mean that that could very well happen. They're both fantastic, and it takes somebody really playing at a high level to beat either one. But I, I, when you see those results, some of them are just shocking. Uh, that Tennessee result uh, just it was just amazing. But Tennessee did the same thing to Missouri, and and. Missouri had played very well, and 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 has played pretty well since, with the exception of a stumble. They 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 let Mississippi State get back in a game that they were dominating and ended up losing it. but that's Mizzou hasn't lost much, and they got absolutely smoked by Tennessee, and Tennessee gets absolutely <laughs> smoked by Florida, and Florida gets absolutely smoked by Kentucky, and and that's you know, and like you said last night, I mean. Indiana went into that game looking at maybe the most difficult stretch, probably the most difficult stretch any team will play this season. And one of the most difficult stretches any any team in any conference has ever had to play. They they were looking at four games in a five-game stretch against teams in the top ten of the net. And most of those were against teams in the top five of the net. I think one was a nine and the others were all top five. And, and it was like, well, how are they going to ever get through this when they're already only a couple of games over 500? And then they go out and beat the, best, the team that has been the best team in their league. So it is rather wild and unpredictable, and I think that will carry over to the tournament, although it may not impact greatly the teams we see in the Final Four.
1: Kentucky's getting ready to go into a difficult stretch. Um, LSU's Not ranked, but uh, then they've got uh, a rematch with Alabama. They've got Texas in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Uh, Tennessee and Missouri, or Missouri and Tennessee, the week after that. So these are all you know, top forty or uh, fifty in the uh, Ken Palm. You know, Indiana last night shot fifty percent on two point shots, forty seven percent on three point shots. Is it as simple for Kentucky to to win? Some of these upcoming games to just simply make shots? Well
0: that's a big part of it.
1: But part of making shots is taking good quality
0: shots. And they and I thought that they were sluggish in getting into their offense and that and that goes back to to some extent to, to Devin's struggles, but he was not the only one. Uh, we saw Dante Allen throw away an easy ball on, on what was a the kind of the kind of play that a team like Kentucky can't take for granted it. it everything that Kentucky does has to be done crisply, because they, they don't have enough talent at this point to just uh, and enough accomplishment to just blow through uh, opponents. You can't just say, "Well, I, I don't have to make this pass perfectly because the, the the guy catching it's so good that he'll get it." And he's so right. it, you can't do that. And and he threw that pass casually, and it was picked off and turned into a layup. That's one of the things that. Cow was complaining about. Uh, So it's some of what happened last night relative to Indiana was that they were playing against a team that plays mostly zone, and they executed really well against that zone, and so they got open shots. And then they they finally started to make some. Uh, When Kentucky, you know, and Kentucky has seen zone. When they do that, then they have to execute. And if they do, they'll get open shots. And they've got, for the, they've got guys who can make shots like Davion Mintz. They can, he did not shoot well the other night either. That was a, that was a problem. But they've got, if they take high quality shots, they're going to make them. Uh, but at least, at least the right players. We saw BJ drop one. We've seen Dante Allen make a lot of threes. We've seen Davion make a lot of threes. So the, I think it's the first thing is generating and taking high quality shots and then the the making of them usually follows.
1: Do you think this was a a breakthrough game for Boston?
0: I think it can be. You know, it, you hope that the last shot he took is not the one that he remembers or that Kentucky remembers inside the program. He played really well in that game. And and one of the things that I loved and I've been dying to see from him is because Points have not come easily to him for him to go and use his length on the offensive boards and his dynamism and i know he's not strong but you don't have to be i mean you have to be to hold off certain guys but you don't have to be to get to, to pick up scraps you just have to be attentive and eager and in that case he got he got at least one and maybe more offensive rebound buckets and i was so excited to see that from him because it seemed to feed into him playing well. I don't think it started him playing well, but it was part of him already being a little bit confident from having played well earlier, and then he finally delivered that as well. And, and he needs to continue that as much as he needs to do anything.
1: When they get Terrence Clark back, can that uh, be a significant uh, bump for them?
0: Yeah, if, if, he's, if he's feeling well, yes. If he's sharp and healthy, then absolutely it can be. Uh, because he he is a dynamic wing player i he'll go he'll he'll go back to playing primarily wing i would imagine and then he would be available on a night when devin is struggling as much as he was against georgia then he would be available as an option that you could use rather than necessarily have to continue struggling through something that was that was that profound i i think you you'd hope you don't see any more of those and you might not, because that, that, that's about as badly as he can play. And he, his, his standard of play since at least early December, probably going back to Notre Dame or so, uh, his standard of play has been much higher than what it was in that game.
1: Mike DeCourcy, thank you much.
0: Thanks very much, Tom. We'll look forward to next week.
1: Yeah, hopefully a bit, it's a little, something a little better to talk about for the Wildcat Nation. Um, Mike DeCorsi, uh, you can read him at SportingNews.com. Uh, Fox Sports with a bracket analysis. Big Ten Network, two At TSN Mike on Twitter. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of the this day of Wildcat History is presented by Rave On. You can uh, check out uh, the new app when you're wanting to play to interact with other Wildcat fans. This day in 1984, Kentucky beat Houston 74 to 67 at Rupp Arena. It was Super Bowl Sunday. That used to be a thing back in the uh, 80s, primarily, where they would play a big college basketball game. It often involved Kentucky on Super Bowl Sunday as uh, a lead into all the coverage of the game. So Kentucky won with Kenny Walker getting 20 and 10, Melvin Turpin 19 and 11, Sam Bowie 8 points, but 18 boards, and that all helped to offset. Hakeem Olajuwon's 14.12 rebound performance. And had uh, Kentucky been able to hold on to the halftime lead and head against Georgetown in the Final Four and make a few more shots, it would have been a Kentucky-Houston rematch in the national championship game that season. Uh, And a happy birthday to uh, our dear friend, former Wildcat legend, Hall of Famer, Larry Conley, celebrating a birthday today. It's going to do it for us. We'll see you on Monday to recap Kentucky LSU. Have a good weekend, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom,
2: email it to...